true father god again we give you praise we thank you for you are victorious the battle belongs to you lord god we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places and it is a wrestling match but we know that we are more than conquerors that we overcome the victory. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world, and we've overcome through the faith of Jesus Christ. And so we thank you, Lord, that you defeated our enemy, even though you walked headlong into his hateful snare uh, with his vile, uh, venomous, uh, snakish uh, attacks against your person, against your character, against your mission, against your followers, and still the serpent, the god of this world, spews his his venom among people. So in his poisonous bite. So, Father, I pray that you would bring us the antidote today, the love of God, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God, and give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Give us hope. Many out there, Lord, need a hope. They need a reason to live. They need a reason to get up this morning and do something. They need a reason to be excited about what what's possible in the midst of what they see out there that's all not good. So give us hope and, and enduring uh, courage. Father God, this is war. This is not a picnic. This is war, but in the midst of the war, we can rest and we can be and we can abide and we can see the the hand of our God delivering us as you did of old, as you did many times when they were totally outnumbered and and, and the kings were, were, (laughs) they were praying and crying out to you and you just delivered them so easily. I mean, you just turn the enemy against himself. Lord, I pray that you begin to turn the enemy against himself and that you release your people who have been snared in holes and prison houses and held captive. And we say, restore, restore them, Father. So now I pray that you guide us by this conversation as we look into the book of Mark. May we speak as the oracles of God. We bind the powers of darkness, including, including the prince of the power of the air that he cannot mess with our signals or the transmission or the uh, uh, communication of this message to wherever, Lord God, you send it, that it be done. Thy will be done. Amen. Amen. Well, we're in Mark chapter 7. Let's, um, I love the book of Mark. Oh, it is it's, so action-packed. Action. I love it. I, I like it in the old King James. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's the book of, it says straightway, straightway. Immediately, straightway. suddenly. What does that mean? Immediately. Let's go. Suddenly, <laughs> it's a book of action. Action. I was just going to say that. And, and that's, if you like action, this is, a, this is a great action book. But part of the action here is the, the scribes and Pharisees that are coming to, from Jerusalem to Bethsaida mm-hmm. to spy mm-hmm. out Jesus. They're finding fault with They're him. trying to stop the action. They're, they're trying to stop the action. Mm-hmm. They heard about this Jesus, and they, he's a threat to their uh, system, their, their religious system. Yep. And so they were into, you know, washing hands a certain way, a certain Being ceremonial perfect. way, mm-hmm. be perfect, doing all these traditions. Self-righteous, and religious, Jesus said, you're, you're taking your traditions, <laughs> you know, you're taking the traditions, you're giving stuff to your, you say it's giving, given to God when it should well, be used were, to help others. your needy parents and others. You know, so he says, you're missing the whole point of honoring your father and your mother uh-huh. by saying that I, I've already given the money I have to God. So God's Mm -hmm. got it. So sorry, mom and dad, I can't help you. Well, they were elevating their traditions above the word and commandment of God. And the spirit of God, you know, people are are confused about, well, what should I do with my parents? A lot of people are very difficult parents. I mean, it's just like part of the snake pit. It's part of the package. You come in here, you think they're going to love you and endorse you and support you. And they're all demonized and tormented and full of many generations of blood guilt, et cetera, et cetera. And so a lot of people have a hard time obeying and honoring their parents. But obeying and honoring are two different things. Obeying is as children, obey your parents in the Lord. Okay, children, that's in, I think, Colossians. Um, so there is a commandment. And then, of course, in the commandment, honor your father and your mother. But honoring your father and mother, it goes longer, broader. That extends through their lifetime. Obedience re- lasts as long as you are a child under their roof and they're, they're giving you 
some sort of support. Most of the time, sometimes they do, don't, whatever. So, so part of the so honor- obedience comes mm-hmm. with that, but honoring is honoring a position. Now it doesn't, you know, a lot of children come out of their family families with a lot of resentment because there were they were living on a torture rack, and resentment comes from being feeling guilty for being angry. They're angry because their parents were not true to them. They were selfish. They were. Uh, abandoning them, they were divorcing, they were, you know, exposing them to dangerous situations mentally, emotionally, spiritually, sexually, physically, whatever. And so they're angry because that's wrong, because that's a sin against the law of love. They're, they're sinning against the law of love, and you're getting confused because I thought I was their kid. I thought they're supposed to love me. And what's wrong with me? Something's wrong with me. And so you get you get confused because you're you're angry with them and then you're feeling guilty on the other side of that torture rack because they're your parents and you're supposed to honor them. And so we and you put anger and, and, and guilt together, feeling guilty for being angry. You get what we call resentment or bitterness. And so that's not where we necessarily want to go today, but just to kind of clarify, a lot of people ask questions about, well, how do I honor my parents? Well, what you do is what Jesus says, when they need something and they're old, you help them. You know, if you can, and there may be situations where God has for- forbidden you to continue You've forgiven them, but you don't have to continue to interact with them. And so don't feel guilty if God's already said, you're good. You don't have to go there anymore. Just follow me. I'll take care of it. You cannot control your parents' behaviors and or their emotions and or make them happy. And a lot of kids have tried to do that. And so they got to the point where they're mad themselves because they failed. And, and it's not your job to make your, to raise your parents. It's not your job. It may be your job at the end to somehow comfort them and forgive them. I know a lot of people, too, have had messy, messy, messy childhoods. And in the end, God's given them so much grace and forgiveness. They can, they can care for their aged parent who's very difficult to take care of, and they can love them and bless them. And this is a testimony to the forgiveness and the goodness and the power of God to do that. Well, like, like you're saying, forgiveness is so key. And then once there's the forgiveness, there is a release. Right, for, for Not right. only for you, but for them. And, and then the, with forgiveness... It, it, forgiveness is like kind of like okay, getting rid of, getting rid of the bitterness and anger that I have toward them. Uh-huh. But then the other part of it is love. When it releases you, it takes away the negative stuff, and then w- with forgiveness comes the love and compassion of Jesus, which is an awesome thing. It's a transformation of the mm-hmm. heart. The heart that has been full of hurt and sorrow and bitterness and offense is transformed through the forgiveness because what that really means is you're turning all these crimes against love, all this disappointment, all this pain, all of this guilt, shame, uh, accusations made against you. You're turning all these injustices over to the high court of heaven. And you're, like, you're saying, God, you, Jesus, faithful witness, you saw this all. You know the heart. You know my heart. And so I'm not going to defend myself. I'm going to let you defend me because you're the, you're the witness. And what you say is going to clear the record. And I'm going to let you judge them because they were also under the influence of demons. I think people don't have enough understanding of how much demonic activity is going on. Even in this story here with the Pharisees, they're being compelled by demons, demonic activity, spirits of religion, antichrist spirits, false uh, rebellion, witchcraft, uh, self-righteousness, blindness, pride, fear. They, all of these, these men are like puppets, and each spirit or demon or evil spirit, or what do you want to call it, has one of them and is using their mouth, using their resistance, using creating fears in their minds to oppose the true, wonderful Son of God, who by whom they consist. I mean, it's so amazing that He is the one through whom they were created and consist and and consist and are held together. And they have the audacity to. They're so blind and stupid that they don't even know what they're doing. They're just they're 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 biting the the hand that feeds them, so to speak. Yeah. So what Jesus is doing here is he's taking their question about how come you disciples yeah. don't wash your hands like the elders do. And he's addressing that, and he calls he calls them per- hypocrites. You're just pretending you're spiritual, but you're really not. You're not really with in me, G- yeah. Revelation in Matthew twenty three, he says, "You're like whited sepulchers. Yeah, you, you appear yeah. nice on the outside, but inside you're full of dead man's bones. You're in pretty indicting. Whoa, hypocrisy, greed, <sighs> all that stuff. So he." He knew how to get right to the heart of the matter. And well, he could see what was coming words. what was coming out of their actions. It wasn't fooling him. You know, he they could fool and uh, intimidate the people around them with their their shiny garments, their flactories, their their whatever they wore. They could intimidate the poor peasant common people because who would dare touch a Pharisee? Who would dare rise up? And yet Jesus, a rabbi himself, 
was absolutely saw through the whole thing. And he was the one who basically was calling him on it. Mm -hmm. And they didn't like that. So he says here in verse 14 of Mark 7, and when he had called all the multitude to him, I mean, he says, okay, guys, gather around so here. So he's stepping it up. He's yeah. not just talking to the scribes and he's, Pharisees He's calling anymore. everybody to he's witness. He's calling everybody to this. So yeah, it, it's not like this is a private matter anymore, so people. this Step up and listen. to every one of us, every one of us that are listening And today. he says to them, to the multitude, hear me, everyone, and understand. Obviously, the Pharisees were not hearing him. They were not listening. They had closed their ears. They didn't want to hear. So he says, okay, next Who's next? Who's in the next ring out there of, 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 of who's observers? Willing, who's willing to yeah, hear? Yeah, come, come here. He says, if you have ears, everyone understand. Now, in, in um, the parable of the sower and the soil, it's a very interesting in Matthew he's 13 where he's talking about, he's kind of telling him what that was about, the, par- the parable of the sower and the soil. He says, if, if the, the word of God is, you know, the seed, and he says, when it, it's sown, it says, um, if I can find that real fast, he says, when people don't understand, he there's says, different, you know, there's different responses. There's nothing wrong with the seed. Right. It's but the, he says, different qualities of soil. But he says, and when anyone hears the word of the, the word of the kingdom, which is basically all of what he's speaking on all the time, and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he who receives the seed by the wayside. So he's saying it's very dangerous when the seed is, good seed, is planted, thrown out there, if you don't understand, if you don't grab a hold of it, if it doesn't, you know, it's like any kind of seed. You're sowing a seed. If it doesn't lodge in the soil, if it doesn't connect with the soil, if it just lays on top, it, it, it's not going to set germinate. It's not going to set down roots. So it's, there's got to be a process of, of embracing understanding. So when the word of God comes into your mind and you say, oh, oh, I get it. This is a spiritual word. Oh, I get it. That Jesus is telling me something that I really need. It's life. Oh, it's truth. Oh, then you are understanding it. So he's saying here, comprehend, understand, listen up, lest he says Satan, in one place he calls him Satan, one place the wicked one, and another of those gospels he calls him the evil one who comes to snatch the word. That's what happens with a lot of people who hear radio shows and, 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 and read the Bible and go to church and hear sermons that are pretty good. They, the, the word gets snatched out of them, and they don't remember what they were told. They can't remember a sermon, probably because it wasn't that impressive anyway, but they, even, even reading the Bible, many people, they, they cannot read the Bible. They sit down, and, and you know, I should read my Bible, and, oh, I hate to do this, and I'd rather be doing this, and I, you know, we, we go more delightfully, gleefully to our, our 4 o'clock in the morning exercise routine than we do the Word of God. It's kind of crazy because you know, a physical bodily exercise profits only a little. And yet many people are so much more committed to their, uh, their strenuous exercise routines than they are to the word of God. Because why? Because they feel like they're in control. I'm making a difference. I've got, you know, I'm doing this. When you read the word of God, it's like, uh, uh, what, what, what's happening here? I don't know what's happening. Am I getting, is this helping me? I mean, it's making me feel bad sort of because I don't know if I'm doing it right. And so, and, or the, the Satan, Satans, many snatch the word and they, they go back to square one and learn nothing, well, remember nothing when, and when change Jesus, not at all. Right. When Jesus explains the parable of the sower and the soil and, um, yeah, I'm just I'm just gonna just just read through this while we're while we're talking here. We'll, we'll just ask you a question: What kind of soil are you? Uh, now the parable is this: the seed is the word of God. I'm reading from Luke chapter eight, verse beginning with verse eleven. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes yep, and I takes away the word out of their hearts. Yep. Oh, and how does he do that? We'll find out later on lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have new roots, who believe for a while, and then in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on good ground are those who having heard the word with a uh, with a noble and good heart keep it and bear fruit with patience now look at verse 14 one of the ways that that what happens in 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 america and in a lot of places in life 
how, how does the word of God get choked out? The cares, riches, and pleasures of life. Well, you know, the, the, the word of God is sown in the hearts. And what happens as we look in Mark is as we go down here, we understand what Jesus is saying um, about the heart being deceitful above all else, desperately wicked, full of snares. And it's like this. If I were going to plant my garden and I didn't prepare the soil, I didn't till it, and I didn't pull the weeds out, and I didn't make the rows, and I, I just kind of threw the seed out there because it's time to plant, and I, and, 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 and I didn't pay any attention to it, I would get absolutely nothing. Even if the seeds would germinate, even if the birds you wouldn't eat weeds. them, the weeds. weeds would totally over. Because and the heart is like that. The heart is full of treachery and deception and confusion and doubt and temptations all over the place. Feelings, emotions, Satan's constantly tempting you to believe lies, and so these thor- thorns and tangles and weeds stir up, grow up faster than the word, and tangle and 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 and. and and choke it out. So when you are presenting or being presented with the word of God, it's like a precious little seed. You have to tend it. You have to, I mean, beet seeds are tiny, fine. You, you've got to weed around them. Be very careful. They don't grow very fast. The weeds will definitely swallow them up if you are not paying attention. So when the word of God is given to us, it is a precious thing. And Satan would like nothing better than to rip it out of your heart and, and just the natural life course of life, uh, the vile conflicts and stress and spheres of life will just naturally rip it out. That's why you want to have a diligent understanding. So he says, he goes on in verse 15, this is interesting. There is nothing that enters a man through the outside which can defile him, but things which come from out of him. Those are the things which defile him. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, technically what he's saying is you can't eat anything that's going to defile you. Now, it may poison you, it may kill you, but it won't defile the essence of who you are. Yeah, it, um, yeah. the thing is physical physical food or physical activities or, or rituals, uh, ceremonies, none of these things are going to change your heart. None of these things are going to make you well spiritual because they can't, yeah outward, just doing these doing outward things mm-hmm. do not change your heart. But however, I got to say on the opposite side of that coin, if we do rituals and things with a meaning and a purpose symbolically to call demons and to dedicate ourselves and to make vows and things like that, they can change our heart. But they are also prompted from within the corruptions of the heart already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um. So he says this thing that comes into us. You put your food in there. So many people are saying, well, you know, it's old. It could be. Yes, you have to have some common sense about eating your food. And he says, if you drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt you. But he doesn't go say, deliberately drink any deadly thing you want because I've got you covered. That's why people who continue to drink sodas and pop and and eat concoctions junk, and uh, 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 syrup, 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 uh, corn syrup, things that are known to be violating the, the sacred structure of the body, bringing cancer, bringing obesity, bringing diabetes, etc. And we continue to violate those laws knowing now the research, then then it's like tempting God. It's like saying, okay, God, I'm going to jump off this temple, see if you catch me. I'm going to just keep drinking my diet. So it's because I want them, because don't touch my food. Because what? Your stomach is basically your God at that point. If, if you really want to get a hold of something that'll make you start sitting up and paying attention, start dealing with your own attitude towards your own food. If you're eating the food God has given you and, and uh, honoring your temple and eating the herbs, that the foods I've prescribed for you, as the word says, you know, and I don't say you have to be legalistic about this, but you know, uh, as much as is possible, make good choices for your body. Give it the best you can give it for building materials so yes. that it can continue to replenish and rebuild. Otherwise, you're going to be sedated, seduced, seduct, and, 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 and the, the medications. By the time you're 40, 50 years old, you're going to be so stupefied by the medications. And that is another whole arena. That's another whole plot you can avoid. You can avoid it, but you have to make some decisions to avoid it. So he's saying here, don't get too excited about it. And, you know, if people, if all you have to eat is rice, God will sustain you on rice. But, you know, eat your food with joy and with thanksgiving and say grace. And I think saying grace over the food actually breaks the poisons and the curses out of it if we eat it with thanksgiving. Okay, so he's saying there's nothing that come in that can develop man. He says, if anyone has ears again, let him hear. He's saying it again. Listen up, people. Put your ears on. And when he had entered the house away from the crowd, now he's moving away, 
um, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. So they've done this from time to time. They'll go get, give us the, 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 the behind the, the scenes, lowdown. the lowdown, yeah. what's going on yeah. here. And so um, then he said to them, are you thus without understanding also? Didn't you get it? Don't you get it? Um, do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him, cannot defile his heart? You cannot eat a, a rotten uh, tomato and bring sin and treachery, fornication uh, into your heart. That they don't work. I mean, it, it can't defy. It doesn't create. It doesn't go that way because he says what you're eating here. He tells him a little science lesson um, because it does not enter the heart, but it enters the stomach and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. He didn't tell him exactly how the digestive system works. The 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 uh, chloric the acids in the stomach, the mm-hmm. the di- breaking down of the food or whatnot. But he did say that that process um, is is able to protect you and take the nourishment out of the food, and it's not going to wreck you unless, of course, you're eating things that nowadays, back in those days, I don't think they had this problem, but nowadays we are eating a lot of very toxic poison things that can wreck our stomachs. However, and our stomachs and livers and lungs can't handle all this poison, but and he said, what comes out of the mouth, that defiles the man. So he's really going after what the heart is full of the mouth speaks. And I think this is a big, huge, horrible, eye-opening, shocking revelation. When you're angry, when a grape is pushed, is pressed together, when you take a, a grape and you put it between your finger and your thumb and you squeeze it, what is on the inside comes out. The same with when we're under spiritual pressure, what is on the inside of our mouth, what's on the inside of our heart is coming out our mouth. Mm-hmm. Our mouth is telling us, giving us a lowdown, giving us a look at what's in our heart. We can hide it for a while, but when the pressure is on, then what the heart is full of comes out of your mouth. So what you're hearing yourself say, think, feel, do, agree with, and I think this is where a lot of people nowadays I, I, I'm shocked. I do a little, I have a kind of a little bit of look at Twitter pretty much, you know, people read newspaper. I kind of look at Twitter and I am, I am appalled and shocked and saddened and, and saddened again by the fact that they, people don't hear or, or pay attention to what's coming out of their own mouths, what they're agreeing with, what they're doing. They're, they're seeing somehow, is there an exemption, exception to the rule of anything, and they're not um, paying attention to the vile agreements that they have made with the enemy, and they're not taking it to heart enough to say, you know what, I can't believe I'm going along with this. I can't believe I've just endorsed pedophilia. I can't believe I've just ador- endorsed abortion. I, you know, I'm a Christian. I can't believe, and, and, and the hatred and the twisting and the perversion, these are demonic spirits, strong holds, powers. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. And right now, the whole world is being taken over. These powers have been built up. We've been worshiping them, feeding them, giving them blood sacrifices, honoring them for years. And they're now grown up and they're taking their places to rule this world and kill us. And yet, we don't see it, but the only place you can start is by letting the Holy Spirit examine your own heart and, and, and not be afraid to confess your sin. Well, we were talking about what's going on in our, our nation and world and Isaiah. You know, it, mm-hmm. you read Isaiah and Jeremiah and the indictments they brought against Israel. Yeah. It's just like reading. Well, you reading can even read the New Testament. Where is that? Today. Yeah. Well, in, in is it Timothy or? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, in the last days, but look at look yeah. at what it says here, and you can bring that in. Um, yeah, uh, Isaiah chapter one, and verses. Um, <clears throat> think of the United States here, okay? Verses Isaiah one four through seven. Alas, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel, and they have turned away backward. Why should you be stricken again? Will you revolt more and more? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole heart faints. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it. 
but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. Kick. They have not been closed or bound up or mm-hmm. soothed with ointment. Your country is desolate. Yep. Your cities are burned with fire. Yes. They do all the rest, yes. unrest in our cities. And California, fires the fires everywhere. California. Texas. Strangers devour your land in your presence. So we've got all a lot of foreign business holdings, uh, illegal immigrants coming in, mm-hmm. uh, devouring the land, as, and it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. But we don't want to admit that yet. No. We want to pretend like everything's still okay. But then we go to Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Now, are, are, does this describe what the day we're living in? And if this does describe the day we're living in, could this be the last days? For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its mm-hmm. power, and from such people turn away. Mm-hmm. He says, for these are the sort that creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. Always learning, reading the self-help books, and trying and, and self improve and never coming to a knowledge of the truth. Mm-hmm. So we can do a lot of things that makes no difference at all to the ultimate final solution or to our, our condition. So Jesus is really talking here. Look up, guys. It's more important what you're listening to. What do you hear coming out of your mouth? Do you hear kindnesses, praise, hope in God, faith in God, faith in the goodness of God? Or do you clamor for justice? Do you have to make a point? Do you have to be right no matter what? Which is not the path to righteousness. Your path to righteousness has already been paved through the blood of Jesus Christ, who is your righteousness. There's no other way you're going to get into heaven, not by a list of good works, not by staying in a church membership, not by being baptized in a particular organization. Your righteousness comes through accepting Jesus Christ, his death in your stead, and and following him through verbal and through actions, through your mouth and your, and your, and your heart, your life. So we see that, that and, and if you go to Galatians for a minute, I, you know, we have a list of the sins, and it's, it's a very current list, although it was done, what, I don't know, in the first century or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, of course. You know, Paul you know, writing to the church of Galatia. He says, um, mm-hmm. well. Chapter 5. Mm-hmm, yeah. with verse now the th- works of the flesh, verse 19, are evident, which are, here we have a parallel list, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, licentiousness, which means sexual immorality, idolatry, sorcery, which is connected with witchcraft, and pharmakia, which means I'm going to manipulate my body or the people around me to to do something using this chemical, this weed, this potion to do it. That's called sorcery. Hatred, contention, fighting, bickering, bitterness, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. I think this is a very, you know, you can look so good and all of a sudden it just get, and you're just swearing up a storm and it's not even you. Selfish ambitions, give it up. Dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness. I hate you turns into murder. He who hates his brother without a cause basically has committed murder against him. How many of this, this is, we don't recognize the power. There's death and life in the power of the tongue. And we're allowing Satan to use our tongue to cut, 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 cut like swords, cut everybody else up. You need to be careful how you use the words because there's death and life in the power of the tongue. And those words may come back to haunt us. God have mercy. Envy, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand and also now tell you in, and as it was in times past, that those who practice such things do not inherit the kingdom of God. So though we do not get to heaven based on works, on works, we can not get to heaven based on these things if we continue to practice them, if you can get, continue to give place to the spirits behind them. You, you are being taken over by these things, controlled by these things. And that's why we have to have deliverance. That's why we have to have obedience. That's why we have to submit to God, resist the devil. That's why we have to give no place to the devil. You have to take away his place. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 5, 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty with which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Um, he's, he's talking about uh, 
we have, you know, of, he says, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So all of this negative, icky, yuck in the heart is washed out and cleansed through forgiveness and through uh, love, loving one another, loving your neighbor, forgiving, trusting God. How did our hearts get to be so bad? Well, you know, we, we're, we're Jeremiah says, the heart is deceived, Jeremiah 17, mm-hmm. 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately, desperately wicked. wicked. Who can Who know can it? Know it? Uh, what happened? You know, we're created in the likeness of the image of God. Mm, the image of God, But yeah. what, what happened to us that our hearts got so rotten? Well, what happens is <clears throat> a process of indoctrination and programming. We're born and created in the image of God, but thrown into the snake pit of life. We are human beings made by a supreme being. And what happens at that moment of conception, our, our divine nature is totally obscured. We know nothing about who we are, where we're showing up, what happened, how we got here. And the only first real conscious, uh, we maybe have some conscious um, sensations are, uh, in, in the womb. Um, uh, but mostly they begin as we enter, as we exit the womb and we begin to make subconscious uh, judgments about the world. It's hard out here. It's cold. It's mean. I'm afraid. I can't breathe. They're poking me with needles, whatever it is. Um, and so we, we're in this pit. And if you don't have proper instruct- instructors, which most people don't, you just go along with what's going on around you and you try to survive it. So our, our issues become survival. And, and trying to um, uh, figure out if I'm good or righteous and whose responsibility is all of this mess. So as we're indoctrinated by the systems which Satan has well established, we've got school systems, we've got judicial systems, we've got, we've got streets and we've got families, we've got uh, classrooms, we've got all kinds of systems in place to indoctrinate the, the, the new uh, subject in mm-hmm. Satan's laboratory, his snake pit. And so when people don't realize what's going on, and they won't, they will not for a while, unless, of course, they have parents who are quite wise, and we have a few who begin to instruct their children in the spiritual war. Um, These children are just taken over with fear and the works of darkness. And so what happens is you just build on that. You begin to use that experience of the pit to uh, to feed, to uh, populate the information in your soul that you're going to use to uh, make the next decision. So you're beginning to believe I'm bad, I'm stupid, I'm no good, I'm afraid, I'm alone, um, I don't like people, people don't like me, I've got to be good, I don't do good in math, I'm too fat, I'm ugly. Whatever the information experience that you experience in the pit, Satan is deliberately trying to get you to agree with that so he can place that in your filtering system, in your mind and in your heart, so that when you come to the next issue, you go back into... Um, you know, okay, I'm going to use this information again. Yeah. So and so we just repeat and repeat until we're 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 so, so brainwashed. We're, so so we're we're making decisions based on bad information, based on based on thinking it's the truth, though. Thinking it's the truth because that's been because our, it truly that's, happened. That's been our experience of life. So it's our experience, and and then the lies of the so, enemy come in there. We come to conclusions that are incorrect. About and the, then that's how we keep going on and on in the immorality it, and the depth of like, despair you know, and it's depravity like, well, and whatnot. You know, and we believe, and basically we're believing all these lies. I have to take care of myself. I can't trust anybody. I'm no good. Uh, I'm no God's good. God's mad at me. Uh, we come into all these concepts of, of who we are, and we're making decisions through all those filters, mm-hmm. those experience filters. We see everything through the filters of our experience. Mm-hmm. No. And Jesus said about that, he said very, he cautioned us, he says, do not make uh, judgments based on appearances. Don't make, don't judge by appearance. But we pretty much we do that all the time because I know we, that. D- we don't have a point of reference. Or the Word of God is a point of the reference. Refer- yeah. The mm-hmm. Word of God is that point of reference, but m- most people have no point of reference. Have no point of reference and so other what, than their own experience. Right, right, right. So, to, so yeah, exactly. So what you experience what you truly experience, what you really experience, becomes truth to you. It, 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 it's moved in the position of truth because it really happened. But just because it really happened or it truly happened doesn't make it the truth. And that's how the devil deceives us. He gets us to believing, well, I know I went through it. I experienced it. It's, 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 re- it's real. It's true. And most of what you've experienced going through the snake pit is based out of fear. 
Fear says, you know, you better take charge. You better not let do this. You better be afraid of what they're going to say. We are so intimidated by our experiences and we're so twisted and we're so shaped by those things that actually the process of sanctification is a process of deprogramming. Yeah, sanctification, what it is, it's deprogramming and reprogramming. It's become, you know, uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, mm-hmm. you know, in verse 2 it says, Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world. Okay, so that's, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. So that's that's the process of deconformity <laughs> and then... Um, then transformation boldness transformation by the yes. renewing of their mind. Mm-hmm. So it's it's but it, mo- yeah, it's 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 rejecting and releasing the old mindsets, and then being reprogrammed by the word of God, by the truth, the truth that sets us free. Well, the thing is too that you cannot begin to judge or discern or uh, separate the vile from the from the holy. Uh, in any situation or subject matter, whether it's spiritual or non-spiritual, you cannot do any discerning until you have dealt with your own heart. Because the prejudices in the heart, the fear in the heart, the, predis- uh, the assumptions, the predispositions, I think, what is it, as Psalm says, keep me from presumptuous sins, O Lord. We don't realize how established, how programmed we already are. And to the point where... You know, we've been immersed in this this de, this defiled world for so long that it doesn't even appall us anymore. It doesn't even shock us anymore. We are so desensitized to it that it doesn't cause us to to be shocked right. or well, grieve it, it, or or repent or stand up against it. Right, we right. just expect it's going to happen. Yeah. And until now, just recently, we're getting more people who are saying, you know what. This is enough of this. I've got to take a stand, which is like actually a good thing. The the in, the onslaught of evil. This is when this when the enemy uh, comes, comes in, in like a flood, flood. The spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. I think what's happening is this this onslaught of vile and filth and and hate and contempt and and bitter judgments against righteousness and justice and truth and innocence and children. Uh, this is causing people to have to take a stand. You either take a stand or you go be a zombie in the corner, shut your mouth and suck your thumb and die because there's not a whole lot of other options here. You either get out there and fight, take a stand for God, or you go and, 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 and kowtow to the devil and be swept away when the judgment comes because Jesus Christ is coming back, not this time to do battle with the Pharisees. The Pharisees, are it, he's going to do battle with the principalities and powers, and he's coming in the clouds. He's coming on a white horse. He's coming with a sword. He's coming with his, his garments dipped in blood. He is coming as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's not going to make any more deals with anybody. He's not going to give anybody any more, okay, yeah, fine, you know, I'll let you go this time. No, there's going to be a line drawn when he becomes the king of kings Jeez. on this earth yes. for a thousand years. And at that point in time, all the treachery and the trouble of Satan is locked up for a thousand years. But then don't get too excited because he's going to be let loose for a little while again to retest those who didn't have any tests to begin with because Je- they were born when everything was cool. And Jesus isn't going to ask our permission to come and take over. He's not going to consult no, with no, the National no, Council no. Or the of UN. Churches, no, no. with the UN. No, as a matter of fact, with, he's going to smash the, those organizations. With, with, the, with and, the New and, World Order mm-mm. people. Those things are just going to be smashed. Puff, with, gone. You know, yeah, he's going to rule Vaporized. with a rod, I, rod of iron. He's going to smack them, and they're going to be gone But forever. it's going to be a good smack because he's going to protect the innocent. He's going to love yeah. the children. He's going to bring forth justice, righteousness, and truth. It's not like, oh, my God, I am scared of this man. Just, I don't want to even be by him. You know, he's not a tyrant. He's not a dictator. He is the king of kings. He has a right to do these things, and he's demonstrated his whole existence as we know it to be kind and gracious and merciful and compassionate and generous and full of life and full of, 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 of blessings for us, whosoever will. And, and the only ones who aren't getting this are those who reject him, and they're, they're conned by Satan into believing that somehow Satan's plan is better, which is tragic. But for the rest of us, this is the end. This is coming. Now, in the midst of all this, we still see Jesus over here in Mark. Now, he's talking about um, all these evil things that come out of a man, defile a man. That's why we have so much defiling in the nation is because the hearts are so full of per- per- putrid, treachery, bitterness, 
uh, we've had generations of injustice and iniquity. Sin and iniquity have avalanched on us. Like we're under this avalanche of sin yeah. mm-hmm. and 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 rebellion and injustice. And it's not just a, a one or two generations. This is four, five, six, twenty generations deep. And here we are, and what does God expect of us? Well, God doesn't expect any more of us than he gives us grace and strength and wisdom to know. And so he's not going to judge you unjustly because you can't come out from under the avalanche. He's, he wants to rescue you. Who will deliver me from this body of death, Paul says. And he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ. Basically, it's already done if you walk in the Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit. If you, but, walk, if you walk in the Spirit. Now, there's, you mentioned about deliverance there. You know, there's thing, certain things about you know one of the, part of the fruit of the spirit you mentioned in mm-hmm. uh, in Galatians chapter five. We read read what the fruit. Okay, the fruit we of read the what the, the the anti fruit the, the was the work of the the works <laughs> of, of the flesh. Yeah, yeah. So notice the difference between works. This is mm-hmm. what this is what the flesh does. Yeah. This is what the works. Yeah. The, you know, human beings under the control of their soul. Yep. Are doing. Yep. Okay. Through their bodies, through their minds, through their emotions, all this kind of stuff. So all these so evil the, things. But now mm-hmm. there's works and then there's fruit. Exactly. What, what, read so the, the fruit, fruit comes out of an abiding. Fruit comes out of a branch. A branch is abiding it in, comes in out Jesus. Of, it comes out of life. It comes, it comes out, out of a source of life. Right. So Jesus is the vine where the branch is. So this right. is the fruit. The fruit of that abiding, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, which would mean patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now the thing is that this fruit comes through and only through an abiding process as the branch abides in the vine. You cannot take a fence post that looks sort of like a branch and lean it up against the fruit tree and expect that fence post to bring forth apples. There has to be an abiding. There has to be a grafting in. There has to be a, a relationship. And so out of that relationship comes fruits. Now, people are always looking for works. Well, what about these, all these good works? The good works really are poorly defined as works. When they come out of the relationship, they're now called fruit. Mm-hmm. fruits of righteousness, mm-hmm. peace, and joy. And you know how many Christians, if you look at this, if you become a fruit inspector, and Jesus right. is a discerner, wants us to discern, what are you discerning in your own life? Do you, do you see peace? Do you see patience? Do you see goodness, love, mercy, forgiveness? Do you see that coming out of your life? What do you see? Or do you see treachery, bitterness, anger, uh, getting even with people, vengeance? What do you see? Pay attention to your life because this is your life. If the fruit is not fruits of righteousness, then the heart is not being able to produce them because the heart is not either abiding in the vine or, it's, or something is amiss here because it, the works of the flesh are overtaking the fruit of the Spirit. Well, a part of the fruit of the Spirit there is self-control, okay? Yeah. Which we could say would be discipline. Sometimes we think discipline equals punishment. No, no, discipline is just simply you're, you're following a pattern that maximizes what you're wanting to do. Discipline, right? self-discipline to me as well. Uh, as what you, what okay, I, go ahead. What I want to share is th- this, and, and you're getting to this, I think, <laughs> is that the difference between discipline and deliverance, okay? And sometimes we, we try to do through discipline what only deliverance can do. Right. And what we, what we want to do through deliverance is only what discipline can do. So the difference, they work together, but sometimes what happens is that, you know, you hear, you know, commercials: take control of your health, take control yeah, of your finances, yeah. do this, do life. discipline. You know, discipline, discipline, discipline. You know, we make New Year's resolution: New, yep, I'm yep. not going to mm-hmm. eat chocolate every day in the new year. All this stuff. So, talk a little bit about the difference mm-hmm. between discipline. There, discipline is important. Mm-hmm. And, and and deliverance is important, mm-hmm. but they're you know well, sometimes the, we get them all mixed up. Yeah, I I think we do a lot. Actually, for instance, Paul says, "Who will deliver me from this body of death?" Think about a cancer. A cancer needs in, in your body. It needs to be taken out, removed. You need to be delivered from that cancer yeah. or tumor, right? And you and it's not going to come out by you disciplining yourself to eat lots and lots and lots of broccoli, and go for long walks. Now, after you get the cancer delivered, removed the tumor. Then it may be very profitable to discipline okay. your diet, That's to eat good, good things, and, 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 and take the exercise and the rest that you need. Now, the other thing is, 
uh, discipline is a is a slippery slope because it is so close to self help and right. do it yourself self improvement yep. yep. and 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 good works and so we have to remember in the the word of God there's usually two things that are heads and tails of the same coin. For example, um, in the word of God we have we have the word that says. Um, uh, Jesus said, I, I cannot my own self do nothing. And of course, if Jesus is saying that, so are we. And then on the other hand, he's saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So really, this isn't a balancing act. It is when we need discipline, like say you want to do a fast or something. You know, you, it's very easy to fall into a religious, self-righteous, uh, you know, I'm going to lay this fast on me, fast 40 days, and then you're going to admire me, and I'll be like Jesus and blah, blah, blah. Don't even go there. That's a trap. That's a religious trap. Your self-improvement is a waste of time. You would be better off following the Holy Spirit and letting him lead you into all truth and triumph than to trying to figure out how I'm going to take care of, take charge of my own spiritual life and development. That's where a lot of people go wrong. They try to, you know, be a good Christian. I already be a lover of God. I already am a lover of God. Now all I need to do is be who I am following who I am. I'm, I'm a, I love goodness, holiness, justice, mercy, righteousness, peace, purity, trueness. That's how God made us. So going back to knowing and being who I am, abiding in that, will take care of the discipline. So I'm not here going, putting myself through all kinds of religious paces to self-improve myself. You know what? I'm God's servant, God's daughter. I'm dead and I'm his problem. That means I'm free. I can be free to follow him. To I don't take it personally. I don't get upset. I am a servant. I'm a soldier. I take orders. Yes, Lord. You want me to go stand over there? Yes, Lord. You want me to deliver this message? Yes, Lord. Uh, you're going to give me strength? Yes, Lord. And a lot of times in the midst of try, uh, wanting to or uh, attempting to uh, deliver the message of God, you're going to have a lot of spiritual attack. And you need to understand that, too. It's not about you. Don't take it personal. Don't get mad. Don't get discouraged. Just know that God is very aware of what's going on. He knows the assignment he gave you. It's not about you. And even if you make it all about you, getting it done, you know, finishing the book, whatever, you know, uh, preaching to thousands. Um, you know, when you make it about you, your strength is small. Yes. You can't do it. So don't even waste your time trying to do it. Just be and let God do it through you. Does that make sense? It certainly does. It certainly does. And so there's some people try to discipline themselves into freedom. And, and yeah. that, that has, or to goodness. And, and, and to have, there's a certain amount of things. I mean, okay, discipline, okay, I, I need to. Need I need to, to. Need, well, yeah, but I mean, do the, do the dishes, get up, go to work. Go to bed at a decent hour, all that stuff. That that's just part of discipline. It's part of good sense. It's part of yeah, following the yeah, spirit. Yeah. But but what he's called us to do is not walk after the flesh. He's but called after us to be faithful. Yeah. To be faithful mm-hmm. to everything. But then sometimes you can't. Some people try through various programs, mm-hmm. self help programs, or oh, uh, I, I, drug I know programs and so forth. To discipline themselves <laughs> to into, not do into, it again into freedom. Right. Uh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to use it. Yeah. Or, or it's up to me. I've got to work the program. Stay sober. Blah blah blah. And you're you're bound absolutely a target to be hit by failure and and right. Satan's going to pull the rug out from under you. So when you're you're trying to be you know uh, walking all that, you have to walk with humility and say, Lord, have mercy upon me. You know, you deliver me. Nothing. Nothing is accomplished by trying except failure uh-huh. and disappointment and, disappointment, and discouragement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, trying. It's but just, this is how we're all geared. We're all geared. You know, you've got a brain. Climb the mountains. Take the take the hill. Take control. You know, ascend to your get your career going. We're all driven in that kind yeah. of you. The real discipline, if you life. want, yeah, purpose driven life. <laughs> the real discipline in the whole thing is not to fall into the traps of discipline and to, to to be okay and let God freely move you around, give you sustain supply. You know, when, when the disciples were sent out, they, they didn't have full loaded backpacks. They didn't have set, a second set of sounds. They didn't have credit cards. They didn't have cell phones. They had basically nothing, but they had their orders. They had their Jesus. orders. Yeah. And you <laughs> know what? They were faithful. So what is required of us? is that we be found faithful to what? 
to the promises of God, just as God is being found faithful to complete his word in us and keep us in his word. Because Paul says, I know, it's not I hope and think, he says, I know whom I have uh, believed, and I'm persuaded he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. You and I get all nervous about keeping our healing, keeping our salvation, keeping ourselves unsoiled and, and pure, blah, 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 blah. That You know what? That sounds good, but it sets you up for the impossible. Why don't you say, Lord, you lead me. I'm your servant. You cleanse me. Lead me into all truth. Show me your word. Keep me walking in the fullness of your peace, your power, and your protection. You know, give me your joy. Be instead of do, 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 do. And I think this is, well, I think this is exactly what God says here in Galatians. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty with which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. The bondage is to do, to, to fit in the traditions, the prescriptions of men and or their dictates to, you know, climb the corporate ladder or whatever. Relax. That's, you want that? Go for it. But that's not where you're going to want to be when the, the fruit of all that is what? What are you going to do when you can't climb the corporate ladder anymore? What are you going to do when you can't run the fastest race anymore in the marathon and the, and the Ironman? What, what are you going to do if you end up in a wheelchair? Then who are you when all of who you think you are is what you comes out of what you do? You, I've got the best job. I'm the fastest runner. I'm uh, whatever. What is all that going to mean or matter if you cannot do that stuff when you're 80 or 40 or 20 years old? What is going to, who are you then? If you are what you do, you're nothing if you can't do those things. So this is very important that we be who God calls us to be. And he, out of that being and abiding, comes, brings forth a life, a life that's bigger than us. It's a, and it's a, it's a new life. You know, in 2 Corinthians five seventeen, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away, all things become new. He's talking about here in Mark 7, you know, we've been repeating some of these things. From within comes uh, evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, Uh thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defile man. And this this is where our concern needs to be. And he's making it very, Jesus is making it very clear that that outward religious ceremonies and traditions, no matter how meticulously kept, yeah, will right. not right. change our hearts. I remember years ago, mm-hmm. I, I was in 4-H for a long time, and the first first year I was in 4-H, I had a pig. And you'd get the pig cleaned up for the <laughs> fair. I mean, I remember washing the pig. Mm-hmm. And and people would even, you know, take, I think they still do, they take like clear nail polish and polish the toes mm, of the pig. Toenails. And they would polish. take, especially if there were a white pig, they'd put like talcum powder on them. So they were looking nice. They were clean. They were smelling, smelling nice. But the problem is they were still pigs. And and if you didn't you pay could, attention. <laughs> right. You clean them all up yep. inside the barn and they look so nice and pretty. And then you let them outside in the pen in the dirt, and they would find the mud hole and crawl right in it and get yeah. all dirty again. Why? Their outward being <laughs> was altered. Transformed a but little. But they were still pigs. Inside. They still had the pig nature, and the pigs were just going to crawl in the mud. So Jesus yeah. came. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost a trite saying, but Jesus came for our hearts. Yeah. He came to give us. And this is the miracle. Marjorie, this is the great miracle of salvation, mm-hmm. is that Jesus gives us a new heart. Yeah. He says, I, he says in yeah. Ezekiel and mm-hmm. Jeremiah, I will take away their old heart, their stony heart, and I will give yeah. them a heart of flesh, a soft, tender heart. Mm-hmm. And he says, I will, I will put my laws in yeah. their hearts so it will be the right thing they will well, be. It, they will be right. They will do right because of what I will do. Because the transformation I will give them mm-hmm. to fulfill. What's Jesus really looking for? They, oh. The Pharisees came again another time, and they're always coming, picking, asking these ridiculous questions. But he said, "What's the great law?" No, mm-hmm, that's that's mm-hmm. not a bad question. What's the greatest law in mm-hmm. the in the laws of God? What's what what? In other words, when you boil it all down. 
what really matters as far as our relationship with God, our connection well, with I God know. in our lives. What what Jesus said, let me say what Jesus said. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor, and your neighbor as yourself. And even to love your enemy. All, all, and love your enemies, mm-hmm. right. Your and you know, you're absolutely right. So the heart is the ground, the source of emotion and love. The, the, you know, the mind thinks thoughts and, and concepts, but it's the heart that is the seat of our affection. That's why the heart is so tangled up with fears and oppression and anger and injustices. That's why the heart needs to be cleansed because so he can write his laws in our heart, the law of love. So th- that's why the heart is a great battlefield where we're, we're constantly, f- you know, fighting with renegade emotions that want to lead us into taking matters into our own hands or giving up on God or hating our brother or calling down a judgment on somebody because the heart is a very important place and out of it comes, you know, the fruits of the Spirit or or, or the evil. And so it's a well-fought-over piece of ground, so to speak. Yeah, what God says to his people Israel in Ezekiel 18.30 Mm-hmm. kind of breaking into the middle of that verse, uh, says the Lord God, repent and turn from all your transgressions so that iniquity shall, will not be your ruin. Cast, a, cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O house of Israel? Mm-hmm. So, he said, oh, how, how do I get it? Okay, I want to go get a new spirit. I need a new heart. How, how do I do that? You know, we've got all these heart transplants now. Mm-hmm. And I have, I have a dear friend that has a, had a heart transplant many, many years ago. He's got a heart of someone else in there that's keeping him alive. And so basically it's a new heart. Jesus, the inner part of being, the seed of our affections, Mm-hmm. Is is not only renewed or improved, but it's new. It's changed. Mm-hmm. It's trans. We're transformed. It's a transformation. So our thinking, so our affections, mm-hmm. our desires, are 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 uh, interpenetrated by the Spirit of God. And so mm-hmm. what will come out of our lives will be what God is really looking for from us, which is and, love. And, and love, mm-hmm. and you break down. Love is all the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. Mm -hmm. Love basically manifests itself in joy, peace, in long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, all these things. These are the manifestations of love. That's what he's looking for, right? Well, when he was looking at the Pharisees in in Mark there, he wasn't seeing that. He was seeing a lot of corruption, a lot of over-blindness, a lot of religious self-righteous walls, barricades, uh, doubt, um, resistance, rebellion to his his good news of the kingdom of God. They were not able to, it was not able to penetrate beyond their hardened hearts. And then hardened hearts, blindness, spiritual blindness and hardness of heart are two of the worst, worst of the spirits because they block our hearts from receiving the revelation of the love of Jesus Christ. It's interesting. Jesus goes from talking to the Pharisees to the whole crowd of people. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of drops this bomb on him and leaves him. He says, <laughs> out of the heart, you got all this wicked stuff. Yeah, we ch- They're probably yeah. thinking about it. They're thinking about it. And I wonder if any of them ever asked this Pharisees, okay, all these relig- rituals, these ceremonies mm-hmm. that we're doing, mm-hmm. but that really isn't what we should be doing. It should be, I mean, uh, uh, Jesus is saying it's our hearts. And mm-hmm. that would, that yeah. truth that Jesus was bringing, I'm sure, bore, bore witness with them. Well, he so raps- maybe they were challenging the scribes and Pharisees, like, all your rules aren't really helping us. So, you know, that's right, because he's, he ends up wrapping up this whole set with then they, after they asked the questions, they went out um, and he said to the disciples, if they don't hear you, here's what you do. You shake the dust off your feet, depart from there, shake up the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. In other words, don't agree with it. Shake it off. It's not you. You don't have agreement with it just because you walked there. I surely say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in that day, in the day of judgment, than for that city. Then he wraps it up by saying, and so they went out and preached that people should repent 
and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So they were not distracted by these these uh, theoretical, systematic, theological discussions on which traditions and how much. They were actually out there doing the work. They were shaking the dust off. They weren't being held up. They weren't becoming bitter. They weren't turning back. They were preaching the gospel. People were being set free. And the demons were routed and cast out. There was They were anointing and people were getting healed. This is the work. This is the fruit of the kingdom of God that comes out of a pure heart. Amen. And right after this incident, we just have been exploring here in Mark chapter 7, verse 24. It says, from there he arose and went into the region of Tyre and Sidon. So he gets up. He says, okay, I've, I've, I've kind of dropped a bomb of truth here. I'm going to move on. I'm not going to spend much more time with you right mm-hmm. now. I've got other things to do. The Spirit of God is leading me Hallelujah. to another place. Mm-hmm. To, to more set, people. To yep. more people, expanding beyond the Jewish nation to set people free. So, Lord, thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Yes, and that Jesus. you came to bring us deliverance, to set us free, to love you, to serve you, to love one another. And uh, to love those that love us and love those that don't love us. And so thank you, Father, for your faithfulness to us. We praise you and thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you give us new hearts, Mm -hmm. new desires, new ambitions, new new, um, ways of thinking according to your plan. The truth, thinking on the truth, meditating on the truth, and living in the truth that sets us free. Thank you for your goodness to us in all these things. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.